Thank you, Susan. Well, we're going to stick with the word, super. Uh, I have been reading as you have been reading, or you've been listening, but I'd like to read more than I like to listen. <coughs> and I'm discovering that we are coming up with uh, a whole new vocabulary. I mean, I did not know about coronavirus before this season. Uh, COVID, I didn't know about that. There's other terms that I'm still learning how to say. But one of my favorite during this pandemic time is super spreader. And so uh, a little different from a superhero, but super is in the word. So the church, I've discovered the church, as the church gathers, we are considered a super spreader event. Now, I find a bit of irony in that description. You know, on, on the surface, you know, I want to I respond enthusiastically, yes, we are. Uh, but then I quickly realize I need to qualify my enthusiasm. You know, those who follow Jesus, the church, we are super spreaders of healing and life. We are super spreaders of truth. Jesus just reminded us the one that we follow is truth. Uh, but when my, my definition of super spreader begins to collide with some of the realities of the headlines, obviously my enthusiasm and my idealism just bump into reality. So sometimes rather than being a super spreader event of health and life, uh, the church makes it into the headlines as being a super spreader of this horrible virus and the death that it can bring with it. I read an article uh, that in my parents' hometown, uh, before there was a stay-at-home order, a church choir decided to meet together to rehearse for two and a half hours. Uh, they did take some precautions. There was no hugging. There was no handshaking. Uh, yet there was no masks. I guess no superheroes that day. No social distancing. They shared punch and oranges. They sang together. One of the 61 in attendance had not felt well, had, had cold-like symptoms, but decided to come to the rehearsal. With, within days of that rehearsal, 52 of the 60 singers became ill. 32 of 52 tested positive for COVID-19, and two of those choir members died. Whoa, wait a minute. We want the church to be a super spreader of life and healing, not to be a super spreader of illness and death. Another headline I read is that um, while I, in my idealism and enthusiasm, I want the church to be a super spreader of truth, I was really discouraged. I saved at least four articles this week. And I didn't have the heart to read all of them because it was just so like, oh my goodness. Uh, but all of those articles made, they had a similar observation. Churched people are among the most gullible for spreading conspiracy theories. Now, what is up with that? People who are following Jesus, who is the truth, not discerning 
conspiracy theory and being some of the most gullible in spreading that. What's up with that? Well, one author I had the heart to read said this, many suffer from belief bias. What belief bias is, if a conclusion supports your existing beliefs, you'll rationalize anything that supports it. Now, this is calling for some self-awareness. If a conclusion supports your existing beliefs, you'll rationalize anything that supports it. He goes on to say, my hypothesis is that science, personal circumstances, and the economic distress of the coronavirus pandemic are so overwhelming that people seek alternative realities as some type of rationalization or soothing balm. Some even may grasp them because it's more understandable than the graphic exponential talk and so forth. Wow. The author concludes by saying that the most common factors exhibited when people migrate toward conspiracy theories are these. One, lack or failure to apply critical thinking skills. God gave us a brain. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. We can't turn off critical thinking. We have to be able to ask questions and to allow others to ask us questions. There's another effect. Number two, an overestimation of one's knowledge of a particular topic. I think that the Bible might call that pride. <laughs> overestimation of one's knowledge of a particular topic. It could also fall into the category as I'm not teachable. Healthy skepticism would be number three. Because of previous events. You know, I got burned once, I'm not going to get burned again. Number four. Oh, oops. Get ready. This could be a little convicting. Sharing content without reading it. And the inability to grasp the credibility of the source. Many of us think that everything that shows up on the internet is credible, right? Wrong! No! No! Read it! Research it before you post it. And finally, false equivalency. While healthy skepticism and careful thought should be always given in science, many people mistakenly give equal weight to counter-arguments when there's often a clear consensus on the other side. So we want to avoid that. You know, wait, time out. The church is meant to be a super spreader of truth, not a super spreader of alternative realities and conspiratorial thinking. One of the articles uh, was written by someone that I've listened to in person three times over the past two years, someone I really highly respect. And he basically said, church, it's time to repent. I mean, he was repent. We got to stop spreading lies. We must start spreading the truth. So, maybe the church is not quite on the right track. In reality, as a, a super spreader of healing life and truth. So, what can we do? What can we do to get on the right track? Through this pandemic, through this economic collapse, uh, there's always redemption. You know, isn't that great? You are my redeemer. 
I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. Whenever we get off track, God in his grace and his mercy, he can correct us and get us back on track. I would like for those of us in the church to realize that we need to be on the right track. <clears throat> so let's learn from our history. The first century church was not threatened by a pandemic, but it did face real threats. And we discover one of those in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. Peter and John annoyed the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin would be the supreme court of Israel. So just imagine two individuals who knew Jesus, uh, teaching people about Jesus, teaching about the resurrection of Jesus. There's a healing in there as, as well. Uh, and all of a sudden, the nine justices of the supreme court are, are annoyed by them and have them arrested, and they're ordered to appear before the Supreme Court the next day. Now just, wow, I mean, this is not a small deal. This is a big deal. So the annoyance of the Sanhedrin is that a lame beggar was healed. There was this man for 40 years. His, friend had, his friends had carried him to the gate, which was the entrance to the temple. That gate was called Beautiful. And this broken man who you would not describe as beautiful. This broken man who put out his hands in hopes of people dropping alms, that people, would be gen people going to worship God would be generous, certainly, right? Well, that's not a beautiful situation. But there he sat for 40 years. And the day came that Peter and John went to the temple. And there was this man. And maybe it was the first time they'd seen him, maybe not. But this day, something drew Peter and John to that man and Peter just said look in my eyes which tells me that that man just sat there at that gate beautiful again just hunched over hands raised embarrassed filled with shame needy day after day after for 40 years and Peter says look look me in the, look me in the eye look me in the eye and he says this silver and gold we do not have that is a powerful Peter and John as followers of Jesus did not have money falling out of their pockets. We don't have any money. We're as poor as you are. But what we do have, we want to give to you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And that day it happened. And that lame man walked up the steps into the temple and they began dancing and praising God. And that's the, that's the setting for Peter and John, talking about Jesus, the resurrection of life in Jesus. And that's when the religious Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, of it, they get annoyed. They're disturbed. So after spending a night in jail, they go on trial. No one there to defend them. Uh, they just had to be their own lawyers to testify. And the trial really comes down to one question. By what power or by what name did you do this? 
Now Peter, with the help of the Holy Spirit, provides their defense. Rulers of the people and elders. If we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. And it's become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Saved from lameness, brokenness, shame, poverty. Salvation is not the salvation of just going someplace else when you die. It's very much a very present day salvation. The Jewish authorities did not like that answer. That was not the answer they were looking for. And yet they could not deny that a miraculous healing had happened. So this is the threat. What will you do with them? For it's obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We can't deny it. But to keep it from spreading, super spreaders, to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them. Let's warn them. Let's threaten them not to speak to anyone in this, this name of Jesus anymore. So they called and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So Peter and John answered, Whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you, the Supreme Court of the day, or to listen to God, you're going to have to judge that. You're going to have to discern that. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. After that powerful testimony, they threatened them again. Obviously, they didn't think the first threat was going to work, and they let them go. So here we have Peter and John, super spreaders of what they had seen and heard in Jesus. They were super spreaders of healing and resurrected life, and they're ordered threatened by the highest court in the land to stop spreading the good news. So how did the church respond to that threat? And the rest of the chapter suggests three responses by the church to the threat of the Sanhedrin. Those three responses, they responded in prayer, they responded in proclamation, and they responded in prosperity. Now this morning... We're going to look at prayer, and we're going to save the other two for later. And as we explore these three responses to external threats, uh, we're really turning our attention from a more or less defensive posture towards the threat that we're facing. And we've all been trying to catch our breath. We've all been trying to wrap our head around this. We've all been trying to bring comfort and solace to one. All of that's been appropriate. But now that, that this, this pandemic has kind of settled upon us, uh, I really sense the Holy Spirit saying it's now time for us to turn 
our attention away from defending to more unoffensive. Not, not in the sense of being offensive, but we have something that we can bring to the table that can really help the people around us. So I want us to embrace a message that helps others in the midst of a crisis. And I think it starts with prayer. So here's their prayer. They raise their voices together to God. They said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and everything in them, it is to you who said by the Holy Spirit, through our ancestor David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look to their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. How did they pray? Well, first of all, they prayed in unity. They raised their voices together. One mind, one purpose, one impulse. Together, they cried out to God, Oh, that the church, I mean the universal church, in this global pandemic was crying out together with one mind, one, one impulse, one purpose. They said, Sovereign God. They're acknowledging God you are God. There is no other God. You're the Lord. You're the master. You're the owner of everyone and everything. All glory to you and to you alone. Earthly authorities, courts, Supreme Court, Sanhedrins, at times gather against the sovereign Lord and Jesus, Messiah. Whenever earthly authority pits itself against heavenly authority, the, he the authority of heaven is always the final authority. So, Sovereign Lord, you concern yourself with their threats. Sovereign Lord, you deal with them as far as we are concerned. Sovereign Lord, you deal with the pandemic. Grant us boldness, fearlessness, courage to proclaim Jesus, to proclaim resurrection in his name. And as we fearlessly proclaim Jesus and resurrection in his name, oh Lord, stretch out your hand to heal. Stretch out your hand to heal the sick with your touch. Perform signs and wonders on earth to confirm the arrival of your kingdom. And you know what? When they prayed like that, God answered their prayer. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together 
was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Dear ones, may we look like those before us and may we become super spreaders of healing, resurrected life and truth in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To do that, I believe that we must become a community of fervent prayer. We must learn how to pray together as our forefathers in faith did. I don't know how to do that other than to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us again. We're moving towards Pentecost. Holy Spirit, as you filled the church initially, as you filled the church on this day that we're reading about, Holy Spirit, fill us again. Empower us to proclaim the name of Jesus and resurrection in his name. Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray in Jesus' name. Amen.